Okay, if you could say one chapter of the Bible, which is probably the most famous chapter of any, what would it be? John 3.16. That's a verse. That's oh, it's our chapter. Okay, that's a portion of a chapter. That's in Genesis, or excuse me, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. But for a whole chapter, most people know. Psalm 23. 23rd Psalm. Any of y'all know it by heart? By heart, no. That's probably, as far as a whole chapter, that one is known by heart more than anybody, any other chapter in all of, uh, uh, all of Scripture. Even people who are not Christians know that, right? It's interesting, there's this movie um, several years ago called The Book of Eli. And uh, Denzel Washington is the guy who's got this Bible. You don't know that it's in Braille, but uh, it's, it's a, in the future, and uh, bad things have happened. There's been an apocalypse in the world, and so you've got all these crazy people running around. And this one guy wants to get there. The, all the Bibles have been destroyed except for this one. And... Um, and he's got it, and he's taking it to this place where they've got a library, and he's going to put it in the library. And uh, so anyway, at one point in the, in the movie, he quotes part of the Bible to this young lady that's there with him, and he quotes the 23rd Psalm. And she says, that's beautiful. Did you make that up? And he says, yeah, I did. And she says, no, I did, and that's in the book here. And... Uh, so it is a it's a psalm that uh, you go to funerals and quite often it's used there. I use it for in going to uh, people who are in difficulty, you know, and uh, going through hard times and someone. I'll, I'll take that and use it as a as a scripture for comfort. It is, I, I believe, probably um, best known chapter in all of the Bible. And uh, people who don't even go to church or at all will recognize uh, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a comic book to look in several directions. When some of them say, I shall live in heaven when I die, <laughs> or I shall live three or four different ways, you know. Yeah. Who wrote that? David. David. David wrote that. Now, let's think about just for a minute uh, heroes of our nation right who are some of the heroes of the United States George Washington give me a quote for George Washington don't you, do you see the whites in their eyes <laughs> no no that was uh, Colonel Jackson okay <laughs> yeah, we, we don't know that that's a true one. <laughs> give me another American hero. Martin Luther King Jr. All right, give me a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. 
I don't know the full quote. It says, uh, I have a dream speech. I have a dream speech. Abraham Lincoln, what's a quote from Abraham Lincoln? Four, four and seven, seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We know that much of it, don't we? Gettysburg Address. Yeah. The Gettysburg Address, we know the first part of it, four score and, and how many years ago? Seven. seven. Four score and seven years ago. Did, did, that's did Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... <laughs> did, did Lincoln quote that from Jesus? Paul Revere. <laughs> <laughs> about the only thing we know about Paul Revere is his one line, right? The British account. British account. Kennedy made probably, as far as American heroes, one of the best, at least for me, one of the best known quotes. What would that be? Ask what, what you can do for you. What your country can do for you. Yeah. Right. You got it backwards. You, you're into the today. Uh, I was yeah. going to say we choose to go to the moon, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and to do the other things. Right. You know what Lyndon Johnson his famous quote was? No. Return this dog and go to What? Do what? Return this dog and go to Out. Anyway, I hadn't heard that one. Um, now, people around the world know Psalm 23 and pretty much the whole thing, right? How many people around the world would know the quotes that we gave from our nation? George Washington, which we don't. We could, we could not come up with a single quote, right? But David, um, this king of a little bitty uh, country over on... Uh, other side of the world uh, several years ago um, wrote this and it is known by people around the world and uh, and probably able to be quoted more than anything else. The Lord is my shepherd. It's an interesting thing that David uh, the one who wrote this uh, probably as he's writing this he's reflecting on the time when he was a shepherd, right? And not only a shepherd in the field, but then he becomes Israel's shepherd as their king, right? So he was a shepherd. He was a king. Uh, the very fact that a majority of the Psalms are written by him, we can see that he was a poet as well. Right? Uh, quite a well-known uh, poet, we might say. Um, he was a, magician, a, a musician, right? He played the harp for uh, King Saul. And a lot of the uh, psalms that he wrote were to be put to music, right? For the choir master. Yeah. Put this into, into music. And we see the selah that is there. Uh, we, we think that that quite possibly be a, a musical interlude you know, in, for the, uh, in, in the psalm that's there. He was uh, certainly a champion for the people of Israel, right? Remember, he goes out against Goliath. And there's supposed to be a contest between Israel's choice and, and uh, Goliath, the, the choice of the Philistines. And he goes out and he defeats Goliath as their champion. He goes out as a warrior uh, to take uh, Israel into battle against their enemies. And he goes out and does that. And he certainly is their, their king. Um, 
in so many ways, he was such an important person um, in, the, in the life, uh, the history of Israel, and, uh, and we still see his importance in many ways uh, in the church. I want you to look with me to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Verse 13 verses. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom, whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons, invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shat. Shammah passed by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Is that it? That's it, yes. Thank you very much. Um, Here's a selection of of David as the uh, upcoming king. We're going to look at Saul in just a minute and the reason that they need a new king. The reason at the very first of this chapter, you know, Saul's kind of, or Samuel's afraid to kind of to go because he thinks Saul will find out. Um, but uh, the Lord has rejected Saul. We're going to look at that in just a minute. But Paul, uh, the Lord, the Lord sends Samuel to Jesse's house. He goes to Jesse's house to find the one, and the first one, uh, Eliab, uh, and he looks at him, and what Samuel's thought. Man. This is the one. What? What? On, on what basis? The appearance. His appearance. He was tall, right? He was good, you know, high stature. He looked the part. He looked like the one who would be the strongest to lead the people of Israel. Now, you remember about Saul's election when he was made king. What was part of the reason to make him king? 
head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He was a big one. He was strong. He looked the part. This guy is our leader, you know. Um, and so, so man looks at that. Lord says to um, so Samuel here. He says, "Don't don't judge his appearance. Don't judge his outer appearance here." Uh, verse seven. Uh, where he says, do not consider his appearance or his height. I rejected him. The Lord does not look on the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so Jesse uh, or Samuel says, okay, you got any other sons? And he starts parading. Well, he parades all seven of his the sons there before uh, Samuel. And the Lord keeps revealing to Samuel, this is not the one, right? The Lord... Uh, it kind of works this way quite often um, in life. He doesn't go exactly, the way, do things exactly the way we think we should. He, he doesn't go by the appearance. Um, James Boyce said, God does the unexpected. He says, uh, isn't this what we've seen historically? What God did, what did God do when he began to establish a race through which a Messiah should come? He started with Abraham who came from a family of idol worshippers living in heathen Mesopotamia. What did God do when he needed a Hebrew prime minister for Egypt? He took Joseph out of the king's prison. God called Moses when he was a sheep herder on the backside of the desert in Midian, and he called his disciples when they were fishermen and tax collectors. <laughs> he called Paul when he was... Uh, vigorously persecuting Christ's followers. God doesn't do things the way we do it. We wouldn't have chosen any of these, would we? I, I don't think I would have, and I would have been just like Samuel here when I looked at the first one and say, oh, this is obviously the one. But that's not the way that God <clears throat> always does things. God's choice is God's choice, and oftentimes I think he would take the weaker things of the world. Why might he do that? Why might he choose those that, that man wouldn't necessarily do? So we know it's him that's working. So we that. know it's God that's working and not, not the man himself. Jealousy of his brothers began Could be. They're, they're not nearly as jealous as uh, Joseph's brothers, but uh, we do see a little bit when he. Yeah. What are you doing here, you little scrawny kid? Yeah. yeah. What are you doing here? Saul uh, was the obvious choice for the people. We find it in 1 Samuel chapter 9. And look back, we've already mentioned the, the reason for him. Um, first couple of verses there in, in 1 Samuel 9. There was a Benjaminite, a man of standing, whose name, uh, whose name was Kish, son of uh, Abel. Abel, uh, the son of Zeror, uh, the son of Becherah, the son of Apha, uh, of Benjamin. And he had a son named Saul, an impressive young man, without equal among uh, the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others, as we've already mentioned. This was Saul. This was the one. This is the one they looked at and go, yep, this is the one. And so, sure enough, they anoint him as king. The obvious choice, the one that all the people looked at and go, yep, he's obvious, let's go with him. Yeah, but there's only one problem. He was out chasing Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> he was chasing Democrats? The donkeys. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I hadn't heard that one either. You guys are surprising me tonight. 
Okay, so uh, Saul seems the obvious choice, and so he gets he gets uh, becomes the king. He kind of starts off uh, fairly well, but then uh, all of a sudden things start to unravel for him. In First Samuel thirteen. Uh, well, in First Samuel thirteen, uh, uh, second part of verse seven. So. 1 Samuel 13b on through 14 says, Saul remained at Gilgal. Uh, there's a battle coming, and Saul's supposed to wait for Samuel to come and, and give the, the Lord's blessing and all this. Well, Saul remains at Gilgal, and uh, all the troops uh, with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days for the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter what to do? Saul's thinking, I'm their king. I got to be their leader. I got to do something here. So he said, Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offering. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as uh, he had finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw that the men coming, the men were scattering, and that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Mishmash, Michmash. I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not, uh, you have not kept the commandment that the Lord your God uh, gave you. If you had, uh, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. And the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commandment. All right, first of all, right off the bat, uh, uh, you know, it kind of starts off good, but here, here he's, he's beginning to fear, and he's not going to follow the Lord's commandment. The Lord's commandment is that only the, the priests are supposed to uh, give these offerings and stuff, but he takes it on himself to do it. And so Samuel shows up and says, you've done a terrible thing. You've made this offering, and you should not have done that. Well, so at this point, because he's not obeyed the Lord's command, uh, the Lord has rejected him. He says it's the king. He goes on, um, 1 Samuel 15. Another battle uh, where the Israelites go out against the Amalekites. Remember? 1 Samuel 15, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord has sent to anoint you king over these people. So listen now to the message of the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the uh, Amalekites for what they did to Israel when uh, they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go and attack the Amalekites. And totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them to put men to death. Uh, to put to death men, women, and children, and infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. Now, I don't want to go into the uh, problems that, that, that some of us might have with that, but I want us to see Saul's response. And so Saul summoned his men and mustered them at Telem. Uh, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. Saul went uh, to the city of uh, Amalek and set an ambush uh, in the ravine. And uh, uh, then he said to the Kenites, go away and leave the Amalekites so that I can 
so that I do not destroy you along with them. You showed kindness to the Israelites when they came up to Egypt. And so the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Saul attacked the Amalekites and so on. Um, in verse 9, but, uh, but Saul and the army sp uh, spared Agag and the best of the sheep, cattle, and fat calves, lambs, and everything else that was good. These, they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Is that what the Lord told him to do? No, it's not what the Lord told him to do. And so then verse 10, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. And Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord uh, all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and he went to meet Saul. Um, but he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he uh, has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned uh, and gone on down to Gilgal. Then Samuel reached him. When Samuel reached him, Saul said to the Lord, Bless you, I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of sheep I hear in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear. And Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. Here the passing blame, right? The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites, and they spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. We totally destroyed, but we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small, in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And you set out on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy the wicked people of Malachites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? You did not pronounce, uh, you did not pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord. But I, but I did obey the Lord, Saul, uh, said Saul. And I went on the mission. The Lord assigned me, and I completely destroyed the Amalekites. I, I brought back Agag, the king, and the soldiers took sheep and the cattle from plunder to the best uh, to devote uh, that what was devoted to God in order that in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. And here's the famous line from Samuel. Uh, but Samuel replied, "Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord?" To obey is better than sacrifice, and the heat is better than fat of rams. Uh, for rebellion is like the sin.